0: And welcome back to the Barely Bookish podcast. Today we are going to be talking about Kindred. Uh, just to get off right off the bat, um, I did want to make some content warnings uh, because this book is rather graphic. So I um, may honestly Google them, but the ones I can think of right off the top of my head, uh, I would say probably graphic violence, um, self harm, uh, a lot of racism, uh, and that's all I can think of off the top of my head, but please, you know, take care of yourself. If there's anything you're worried about, I would say probably Google it first, um, just because I want to make sure that you all are protected and you kind of know what you're getting into. So, uh, also, I do want to say that for these first couple recordings, I read through the beginning through the end of the fall chapter, uh, which was about page 107. Um, So, in the next few recordings, there is going to be a lot of spoilers for those chapters, um, but I don't know anything besides that. So if you want to pause, read along with us, uh, please be sure to read through the end of that. And then once it starts going chapter by chapter, I will announce that in the beginning, Uh, so that way you will know. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Barely Bookish podcast. Today, we are talking about Kindred with a very good friend of mine, Candace. Hi! I am very excited to discuss this because I, I don't know, everyone told me to watch Outlander, and then I found out... Like Outlander is basically like a rip off this a little bit. Yeah. And so I was like, let's do the source material, which is always (laughs) fun for me.
1: Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I actually did some research. Um, I read Kindred in college for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then I started a job at Borders, RIP. And um, while I was at Borders, I saw like this, I guess there was a new new book of the Outlander Mm -hmm. series out at the time that I was working there. And this woman came in and was like, I need it now. Where is it? Is it on your shelves? And I was like, what is this book this lady like, you know, cares so much mm-hmm. about? So I read the back of the first one and I was like, this sounds an awful lot like that other book that I read, Kindred. Yeah. That's weird. And I kind of just like left it there. And I didn't really think about it again until the show came out, like the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely bears a strong resemblance. Obviously, Outlander, I think, is much more romantic in nature um, yeah. than Kindred. But the principles are very, very similar, suspiciously so, if you ask me
0: yeah (laughs) a little bit a little bit it's like um recently what i can't remember the two songs but someone found out that like misery business someone was inspired by misery business Mm -hmm. i think it was misery business but they were like hey this sounds basically the same Mm -hmm. to the point where paramore paramore Mm mm-hmm I don't know why I said when I said Paramore, my brain just saw Paramount the thing, and my brain was like, "That's that can't be correct." Not too dissimilar though. <laughs> but I guess Paramore actually went after them, so I have to find that Whoa, article again. Really? Yeah, because TikTok kind of was like, "Listen, these are the same. Yeah, these Here's are the same song." Well, yeah. so that
1: that actually did happen. Um, I think a few years ago with "Halo" by Beyonce and mm-hmm. "Already Gone" by Kelly Clarkson. And Mm. they have the same songwriter. So that's even worse. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So Kelly Clarkson was like, dear man who wrote this song for me, you realize that you also wrote this same song for Beyonce and that I like never stood a chance because she's Beyonce, right? Thanks a lot. Yeah, I wasted a bunch of money on this. So I think like, if you try looking for Already Gone, you can still find it. But I don't think she likes performing it because she knows it's, it's Halo.
0: Yeah. So let me just tell you, I don't read the back of books. I try not to. I did read a little bit of this one, so I kind of knew a little bit more than I usually do because you suggested this and I had never heard of it. So I was like, let me just see what this is about. Mm -hmm. So I was not prepared. I don't care that I read a little bit. It didn't spoil (laughs) too much for me, which is perfect. But we start off the prologue and this is the very first line, which we love a good strong line. Oh, yeah. This is the first line of this book. I lost an arm on my last trip home, my left arm. And I was like, I'm sorry, ma'am. <laughs> what? Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Very strong way
1: to start uh, start yeah. your story. Like, I love that it not only kind of gives the reader um, an immediate understanding that this is going to mm-hmm. be about suffering, that this is not going to be like a fairy tale by any means mm-hmm. at all. Um, but it also talks about the fact that it's about loss. You know what I mean? It's not just about like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, no, I got you know, I got hurt, you know, it's, mm-hmm. there's suffering, like, it's also about, like, loss, like, she lost her yeah. arm, you know what I mean, that's different than I hurt myself, or, you know, that's so extreme.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I am happy to be reading this, because the only other book I read and set in, like, this time period so far is I had the unfortunate experience to read Gone with the Wind. Oh, yeah. And I was, like, when they're, like, oh, yeah, actually, we treat our slaves really well. I'm, like, do you? Oh.
1: I think that that's the biggest thing for me too because like even growing up in school like I remember in ninth grade um in in my American history class uh mm-hmm. we we talked about slavery and the antebellum south and all that stuff and um my prof- my teacher at the time my professor was actually from the south he had a you know, big southern accent and everything mm-hmm. and wore little bow ties um although I don't know why that's synonymous with the south a, a good bow tie I love but this guy was just mm-hmm. very kind of we know the vibe he was surly you know so um i remember him talking about how you know not all slaves were poorly treated and i i raised Mm -hmm. my hand and i was like um i'm pretty sure if you're not allowed to do whatever you want to do at any given point in the day that that's Mm -hmm. not really being treated well i mean within reason obviously you know within reason but like if somebody owns you and can sell your family and you Mm -hmm. can't stay with your family and you can't protect yourself or your children And you fear for your welfare it doesn't matter if the person feeds you and gives you a bed to lay on or a cot on the floor like that's not yeah you know what i mean compared to what that's always that's always my question
0: yeah compared to what exactly you know well me i have honestly talked about this a lot on my podcast but i went to school where I didn't get American history. Mm. I only got European history. Wow. Really? So I did have... Yeah, it was the program I was in. Mm-hmm. And so I did have a teacher that luckily kind of like took some time away from the curriculum and was like, hey, these are things that are important and you need to know about. Mm-hmm. So I got like a gist of things that happened. Mm-hmm. But like we didn't take time to actually talk about slavery, which I think is awful and terrible. But like she did take time to be like hey you know the founding fathers are not good people yeah first off stop romanticizing the past yeah please take time to you know learn your history outside of school mm-hmm. but you know these are like highlight points of like american history and then she's like and now we have to go back to here because if i spend any more time on this We won't be able to pass exams. And that's the shitty part is that like, you know, everything is around the final exams at the end of the year and nothing's about learning. Yeah. So
1: yeah. Traditional school is not great. Um, What I know about slavery, I actually, well, what I knew about slavery as a young person, I largely got Mm -hmm. from home. And when Mm -hmm. my teacher said that in ninth grade um, and I protested, he actually made me uh, prepare like a 10 page paper. Like I got punished for speaking up and I had to write a 10 page paper with citations um about Mm -hmm. like where i'm getting my facts because he was like that's not true he was like trying to tell these kids that like slavery wasn't a big deal and you know people say that they got beaten all the time but like would you throw an alarm clock that didn't work out the window or would you try to fix it and i'm like right but how would you try to fix an enslaved person that does not want to be enslaved Mm -hmm. like they're gonna fight with everything they've got so what are you prepared to do to counter that like that's pretty nefarious so I remember having to kind of make a, I had to make a presentation. I had to like teach a class essentially is what he challenged me to do. And I was prepared to do that because my mom Mm -hmm. was like, you need to know real American history. You're not going to learn this in school. She bought me tons Mm -hmm. of books, you know, whenever we had like a day off or it was black history month or whatever, my mom would have me write, you know, like a book report about whatever Mm -hmm. it is that I had read or choose a famous African-American person or, you know, um, a, a famous, you know, I should say just a black person because some of them were not American um, mm-hmm. And write about that and learn about that so that I was, you know, well educated. Um, and it made a big difference, because I think like there are a lot of people out there who don't realize the, the pressure and the toll that like race kind of has in America
0: for people. Yeah.
1: Um, even if they have black friends and family, sometimes it's not mm-hmm. obvious if they don't experience it with that person um yeah so my parents always tried to make sure that i was you know good at talking about race and good at articulating my feelings because there are a lot of people who just don't know it's not even that they dislike black people they just don't think that their life is that different from theirs you know what i mean to recognize that there's a problem that needs to be fixed
0: Yeah. yeah i can only get that from like an outsider perspective but let me tell you going to a very diverse high school and thinking oh yeah you know we don't have racism in high school it can't be everywhere and then going to a public college that was not very diverse like it's diverse Mm -hmm. but like a lot of the kids i went to in my like small group uh were not raised in the same type of school system that i was Mm -hmm. and so that was kind of a culture shock i was like oh oh no (laughs) uh oh yeah yeah oh you're, scary
1: you don't know anything about the world okay
0: <laughs> yeah i was like oh weird okay so this is something that still exists that's terrifying to me yeah that's a new realization that i have to have yeah um hate that thanks i think part of the reason
1: that this book also kind of really resonates with me is that like i come from a mixed race family my mom is mm-hmm. black and my dad is italian and then my mm-hmm. partner is also white so you know, being somebody who has existed kind of in between a lot in life. Mm -hmm. um, That's kind of what the main character does, you know, she kind of exists in this world where she knows she's black, and she knows that her partner is not. But, Mm -hmm. you know, she tries to avoid interacting with it unless somebody kind of forces you to. And for me, you know, it's, 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 sometimes it's small, sometimes it's little, sometimes it's, you know, as simple as, you know, Jason and I are holding hands in a store, Mm -hmm. we walk up, I put the groceries on the, you know, or whatever it is that we're buying on the register to check out Mm. and they act like they don't know that we're together, even though like, we're obviously together (laughs) Um, or, and then sometimes it's big, like, you know, um, just a few weeks ago, actually, my partner's boss um, didn't believe him when he said that he had a black partner. He was like, you, are you kidding? You have blonde hair and blue eyes. Like, look at yourself. I don't know. I refuse to believe that. No, no, no.
0: Why are you making jokes like that? And it's like, why would that be a joke? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like there's also a lot more, like, it's a lot worse for some reason when the man is white and his partner is black. Agree. Whereas it seems to be more socially acceptable that I am white and my boyfriend is half black. And I don't know why, because there shouldn't be a difference. Yeah. But for some reason, it seems that, like, people treat me differently. Yeah. Like, and they're more okay with it so I feel like I don't want to like jump ahead too
1: much. Cause I don't know what we're going to talk about. Like <laughs> I don't want to like, you know, just be like, let's go right to the middle of the book. But I feel, I feel as though um, that's actually one of the themes of this book that I find the most interesting is the dichotomy mm-hmm. of her relationship with Kevin, because, you know, he is a well-meaning person. He is mm-hmm. in love with the black woman. He, you know, doesn't seem to be somebody who is um, domineering or you know Mm -hmm. devalues her because of her race or anything like that but you come to realize like as the book goes on that there's definitely an unspoken inequity between them you know what Mm -hmm. i mean there's definitely something that you know from him expecting her to like type up his pages because he she was sleeping over his house you know all the way up to you know like she when she when she vanishes for the first time Mm -hmm. he grabs her he grabs her arm and forces her to tell him what's going on like his first reaction isn't oh my God, babe, are you okay? His reaction yeah. is like, I insist, I demand you tell me what happened as uh-huh. though she has any idea. So, you know, I think that um, part of the reason that people do act differently with, with a white woman and, and black man couple is because they look at the black man like he's won a prize, right? Because the mm-hmm. ideal of beauty, the standard of beauty in this country is white, right? Mm -hmm. arguably in the world you know india has problems with having to you know with whitewashing and people bleaching Mm -hmm. their skin you know it's all across africa and different you know across the continent and different you know um in different countries um so it's not like it's just here but Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i think when it's a black woman and a white man at least in my experience it's been kind of like either they make really terrible assumptions about you know how you might be sexually um (laughs) your sexual prowess (laughs) Or they'll say something like, um, it's all about worth, really, you know yeah. it's all about worth. like they they're like, why would you have her when you could have like a beautiful blonde, leggy, slim, fair skinned model like wouldn't yeah. that what you would want instead? And the idea that yeah. someone because he's I mean Jason is a handsome guy for sure. like mm-hmm. you know he's got sparkling blue eyes and you know all that um, dimples, you know dimples, everything. so mm-hmm. when people look at him, they're like, oh, okay, he's like a clean cut you know, like professional, like business minded guy. Why would he be with her? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what do you have in common? Like, what is it that's drawing you to that person?
0: So anyways, uh, they're trying to keep someone named Kevin away from our maker. I'm just reading exactly what it says in my notes in case you're wondering, because I know who Kevin is now. But yes. Yes. at the time when I wrote this note, I did not know who Kevin was. And then they're blaming him for the loss of her arm and like i honestly i'm a big fan of when they just kind of throw us into the action immediately mm-hmm. like i don't want to know what's going on yet i'll figure it out but like yeah when they're like so you know she teleports back in time and this is everything you need to know that's boring i don't want to know mm-hmm. that yet i want to find out so yeah. big fan of this prologue yeah high octane huh yes I love it. I I feel really bad
1: when they think that, like, he did something to her, though. Yeah. The second that they're like, did he do this to you? I was like, must be the boyfriend.
0: I know. But, like, (laughs) don't we all think that? Like, anytime you watch a true crime movie, you're like, I don't even need to see the others. It's the boyfriend. I mean, I wait to see if he's suspicious Mm. because sometimes he really
1: is just very sorry um, and sad. But I think a lot of times, yeah, it's definitely the. I
0: judge especially it, especially if you watch too much Law and Order SVU. Yeah. Then it's always the spouse. I judge it based <laughs> off of if they cried yet. Mm-hmm. Like if we're at the very beginning and he's bawling his eyes out, I'm like innocent man. But if we're yeah. at the beginning and it's like he's trying to hold it together, I'm like ah no 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 next next.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel you there.
0: Yeah. Um, and i
1: i also like that that so there's a lot that she keeps from from the reader mm-hmm. um and i and i i too very much love that like i love that it extends even past the prologue like you get snippets of their relationship mm-hmm. like as the book starts to go on so you don't even find out like how they met until like the third chapter you know like. I mean? <laughs> yeah i really like that i like that they kind of seed that information mm-hmm. and you get to kind of discover it um i can't remember which page it is but i feel like it's like a you know a third of the way through the book before they even acknowledge that kevin is white
0: yeah no definitely it is because like <laughs> to me he was just like boyfriend blob you know what i mean mm-hmm. i didn't have really like an image for him i was like, he is just like he was basically a circle and just kevin scribbled over the top that was all i knew about him i was like i don't know anything else i'll figure it out later so i kind of just like wasn't really envisioning him as a person yet Mm -hmm. i was just envisioning him as like little nameless blob or named blob because i wasn't sure what he looked like at all um and fun fact so i'm also reading rebecca at the same time and Uh I don't know how much you know about Rebecca, but the main character doesn't have a name in the entire book. Really, no descriptions, really, except that, like, I, yeah, no descriptions. Actually, instead of wow. saying, kind of, yeah, no, nothing. She's nameless blob, and it's infuriating because I have to refer to her as the main character the entire time. Mm. Yeah,
1: that's interesting though. I like that as a, I like that as a mechanic. It's. I'm sure that it's not great for the reader, but that's interesting for the. For the writer, for the author.
0: It's interesting, and it's not like anything I've ever read. So I am enjoying it. Is that Daphne du Maurier? Yeah. Hmm. Tell me how it goes. It's really good. I'm about to finish it. It's really good. Please read it, and then... uh, Because I don't want to spoil it, but... Okay. All I'll say... I was right. Anyways. (laughs) It's all that matters. Okay. So they're in the hospital everything's super hazy which i do like getting her point of view of this is i i like hospital scenes when we get we're like in the main character's eyes and it's like they get snippets of dialogue and then like they fall asleep snippets mm-hmm. of dialogue fall asleep i love that as a storytelling mechanic mm-hmm. i think it's so interesting because i, I hate agree. when it's like i don't want to know everything as i've said yeah it's not fun. I mean
1: I feel like it makes you feel a little bit more invested mm-hmm. like when you're handing me everything on a silver platter like all I'm doing is kind of just imagining along with mm-hmm. you you know what I mean it's not you don't have as much um agency as a reader mm-hmm. because you're just kind of like going along with the story mm-hmm. but I feel like here she does a really great job of kind of helping you relive what Dana is going through mm-hmm. um which makes it that much more visceral and I feel like like the fact that you know she like drops that bomb in the beginning right like this last time I lost my arm, right? So yeah. you know that like something crazy is going to happen. But then like the road, like the journey to that, like even, you know, up through where we need to read tonight, mm-hmm. there's no resolution. Yeah. And that's, you know, more than a third through the book, almost 50% through the book, mm-hmm. I think. So I, I really enjoy the fact that like all of this is piecemeal because she's like peeling back layers of complexity mm-hmm. almost, you know, like the more you find out, the more troublesome things start to get you know like Kevin's kind of a jerk at the beginning and then you get the context of like because you don't even know like when she is either Mm -hmm. you know that she goes back in time but even saying the year 1976 like you don't find that out until Mm -hmm. you know what many pages in as well you know like when they are the fact that she's a black woman the fact that she is you know educated Mm -hmm. um all of these little pieces that like really change the scenes that she has in the past you know start to kind of add up over time and um I'm, I'm really excited for us to talk about yes. the rest of this book because it it really
0: gets wild i will say i like that you, <laughs> you said her name first because in my head i was saying dana and dana feels better because i was reading it as dan with an a at the end yeah that's what i'm familiar with
1: so you know i think i don't think that you are entirely wrong because her full name is E Dana or Ed Oh. I, I don't think it's Adana. I think it's Adana. Oh. But yeah. I do think for short it would be Dana, but I'm
0: not sure. Don't. I don't, don't know. Me. It's one <laughs> of them, maybe, unless someone throws us a curveball here. So, <laughs> you know, we are just going to keep pronouncing it, however, until someone tells me otherwise.
1: Awesome.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Bailey Burgers Podcast. Okay. <laughs> so um all we get to find out in this prologue is that our main character's arm was stuck in a wall and that's how they lost it and i was like oh awful how could that even happen because that's why they're questioning Kevin so much is because no one can really say what happened and Mm -hmm. i think that's interesting because it kind of gives you more insight into their relationship a little bit because they're not questioning really him specifically they're questioning him because he can't say what happened right you know and i think that that adds another like little layer onto this entire book and i think it really Mm -hmm. sets us up for what this relationship is going to be like even if you don't really read into it too much you're still like oh she has fully lost her arm and they still let him in the room yeah yeah they do Mm -hmm.
1: and I I think it's also um they kind of go into this a little bit too is is like looking at her like why can't you tell us what happened to you either Mm -hmm. and instead of just recognizing that this person is traumatized Mm -hmm. and giving them the room that they need to catch their breath and to heal they kind of like start their investigation right away like it's almost breathless you know what I mean it's right away that they're you know knocking on her you know on her hospital room door like hey you Mm -hmm. need to answer questions for us and that kind of notion of just not being able to kind of take your time Mm -hmm. is something that I feel you know Dana suffers from a lot like that's like the like this invasion of not necessarily privacy but of like the the quietude of her thoughts you know what I mean like just being able to kind of exist Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of interruptions to this woman's life both literally and figuratively Mm
0: -hmm. you know I want her to just be able to catch her breath for like five minutes like she can't she doesn't get a chance to this entire book and I feel awful yeah so then we are on to the next chapter the river which I did not catch on about these chapter titles until two chapters in and mm-hmm. we'll talk about it in a second. So it's we find out we they start setting the stage for us in this book, and they said it's June 9th, 1976. It's our main character's birthday,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is fun, you know. Usually you get to have like a nice little day. She's just moving into this new house they're unpacking, you know, she's about to have her lovely fresh start. And then she's ripped out of this beautiful scenic moment and just yep. teleported into a field where there's a drowning child. Like first off, that is just two very different. It's not even that it's like different environments. It's such like a visceral difference. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh.
1: Yeah, like not only is she just like there and then she's not mm-hmm. on her end and then there and then not and not there and then she appears Mm -hmm. on the other end but like in addition to that you've got this whole other like piece of the puzzle where Mm -hmm. you know she's going from something that is nurturing and setting up a home and calming and she's like basking in the glow of you know with her husband and Mm -hmm. whatever like she's building something for herself and immediately is like ripped away to go and have to do something for someone else yeah yeah Like that, that moment of hers that she has, that's like, you know, a lot, like we find out later on too, like a lot was kind of riding on that moment, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the dating and, and, and courtship of these two individuals, Mm -hmm. like her and her husband wasn't like the easiest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Like they had some tumult there. So finding out like in this first part that like you have this moment where these two people are, you know, trying to build a life together and then she gets like torn away the second that she finds that happiness. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that's, that, that does not bode well
0: yeah for our main character no it definitely does yeah. not no no and then just so you know i've only read to the part that we're like finishing at so i don't know mm-hmm. anything past that about this book Okay. so just throwing that in there so if you <laughs> happen to, like i don't know anything so i'm probably gonna make a lot of assumptions towards the end because i don't Please know anything. Do. yeah i just oh i feel so bad for her i really do yeah so our main character you know sees a kid drowning and does what any good person does and goes and rescues this child mm-hmm. and then you know this woman comes up and's like you killed my baby and starts like beating her and i'm like excuse me ma'am why were you not watching your child first off yeah like how did you even get in this situation in the first place
1: Yeah, and I think that's really our first clue as to like the as to what's happening to her. Yeah. Because she immediately like she finds herself in the past and she immediately loses all of her autonomy. Mm -hmm. Like right away. Yeah I mean she goes and rescues that kid because like that's what a good person would do. Mm -hmm. She doesn't think about it. She's not like, oh, maybe You know, maybe I won't or, you know, I'm just going to stroll by and pretend I don't hear him splashing and screaming his head off. Like she immediately rescues him. And she even says she's like, you know, he's a kid. Like, I got to get him. Yeah. You know, everything in me told me to go and get this kid. So I went and got him. Mm -hmm. And then this woman immediately feels like entitled to hit her. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I read it, I was just like, what kind of weird, twisted, bizarro land did this lady end up in? (laughs) Where someone sees you rescuing their child and tries to beat you up like that's awful. But then when you get, like, um, when his father comes up mm-hmm. and has that rifle pointed in her face, I was like, that was my first inkling. I was like, okay, so this, because they talk about, you know, what what the mom looks like. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so a white woman comes up to this black lady who's rescuing her, her dying child. Mm-hmm. And she beats her up because she believes that she had ill will toward her son. Mm-hmm. And then someone has a gun. I immediately was like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, I was <laughs> like, oh, no. Oh,
0: Dana. Yeah. <laughs> what have you gotten into? I was like oh these people are really sheltered (laughs) that was my thought you know i was like okay like these this is not good this is not like a good look um right but i didn't really fully like again i i I like glimpsed at the back so i knew that we were like time traveling Mm -hmm. so i was like but i kind of put i try and put that aside when we were reading and i was like okay this is not a good look this is not going to end well. Like right. it is my first inkling that I was like things are not going to go well for our main character here. Things this is not going to be the romanticized south as I have read it previously. This is this is things are not going to be good. Yeah. This is going to be some real shit. Yeah. Which I already <laughs> like better because I am very tired of consuming the media that like oh, it wasn't that bad like, mm-hmm. you know things are not nearly as bad as we seem to think they are. And I'm tired of the storyline of, oh, the reason the South wanted to be separate was not just slavery. That's totally not like, yes, it was.
1: Well, I think that what happens is people know that it's our national shame, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of facing it, you know, head on, people want to kind of sugarcoat it because the way that someone tried to explain it to me once when they were like, oh, it wasn't all about slavery. They were like, it was really about economy, you know, and economics you got to look at the economic, you know, portion of, of what they were fighting for. And hmm. the states wanted, you know, their own freedoms and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, but time out. The economy that you're talking about mm-hmm. is free labor, mm-hmm. which brings it right back to slavery. Yeah. Like, even if you want to talk about how it's about you know, agriculture. OK, well, the people that were picking and planting we're slaves Mm -hmm. so it's still about slavery okay well it was about freedom of choice right because the north was trying to outlaw slavery Mm -hmm. and the south was like oh no not on our watch so it's still about slavery like all these little pieces sure it was about more than slavery but it wasn't about more than slavery it was all about slavery and then under that giant umbrella of slavery Mm -hmm. there were all these other little pillars of reasons why yeah the you know the confederacy existed you know so i think that um I also believe uh, very strongly that a big part of the reason that American audiences, um, maybe audiences in general, don't have um, more accurate representations of slavery, it's kind of like when you have a book, right, mm-hmm. that is a YA book, right? Like, let's say Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, mm-hmm. right? That that book, if it were actually made the way that the book plays out, even though it's YA, even though it's a children's book, mm-hmm. like, that's a rated R movie. Yeah all of that you know between the swears and then the blood and Mm -hmm. then the death and you know the malice Mm -hmm. you know and evil or whatever like that's a rated R movie so they have to dumb it down because seeing something is different than reading it yeah and i think that like you really start to get down to the nitty-gritty of what actually happened during slavery when you like and again a lot of times it stinks because you people have to actually go and find this themselves Mm -hmm. have to educate themselves they can't just you know trust that this is one of those things they're going to understand you know passively through like our education system in this country Mm -hmm. um i mean even school district to school district you're going to get a different education on american history particularly this time period Mm -hmm. um but i think that if people actually showed how bad it was that it would be rated nc-17 i don't think that you could make like a rated r movie that actually depicted what it was actually like to go through something like this Mm -hmm. um and I think that, like, a lot of movies have gotten close. Like, if you watch Roots, for example, like, it's really long. It's, you know, a very, very long movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's a miniseries. Um, but in my opinion, highly worth it mm-hmm. because it talks about slavery across generations rather mm-hmm. than just, like, the snapshot. You know, like, 12 okay. Years a Slave is 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 kind of based on a – it's based on a slave narrative. Um, things like that that you see, you know, they're telling you a snapshot. But this, because it's a miniseries. Mm-hmm. Like, you're seeing the whole span of this. Of like a family and how that affected them and you know all that stuff and um i also in college like i i i had a minor in african new world studies Mm -hmm. so um and a major in english so a lot of the classes i took also had me reading you know obviously this book but also like slave narratives Mm -hmm. and reading firsthand what people went through and how like your body just wasn't your own yeah um for for whatever reason whether you're male or female you know Mm -hmm. or a child even Um, your body just wasn't your own. You belonged to somebody else and they could do whatever they wanted to you. Mm -hmm. Um, that was like the first thing that I that Mm -hmm. I felt when I read that this lady started hitting her and this man had the gun in her face was just like, okay, so then you don't belong to yourself Mm -hmm. wherever you are. You know, it's okay for someone to like invade that personal space. Mm -hmm. And that's scary. Like that's terrifying.
0: Yeah. 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 I knew the education system failed me when I was I had graduated college and I was doing social media planning, and I was looking at all the holidays for the year, and I had to turn my coworker and ask if she had ever heard of a holiday called Juneteenth, because I didn't know what it mm-hmm. meant, and then yeah. she had to explain to me what it was, and in that moment, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, and it's hard because you see this bigger
1: picture, mm-hmm. right, that, like, we all live within. Mm-hmm. Like, I know about Juneteenth. I've, I've known about Juneteenth because, again, my mom made sure that I was educated, mm-hmm. but, like, The idea that like everyone can celebrate it now to me is wild. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that that's great. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I'm like, you know, we're also outlawing coursework in schools Mm -hmm. that would educate kids as to why we celebrate that holiday and why it's important and why it's necessary. So I think that, you know, there's a lot missing. There's a lot to be desired in our educational system. And it's I feel like it's a history that while embarrassing Mm -hmm. and, you know, not sexy at all you don't want to think of america as this you know big bad you know garbage place like you want to be proud of your country Mm -hmm. um i think for the black americans that do know the history of of this nation and slavery and all that like the way i see it anyway is you know i want to focus on how we've progressed Mm -hmm. and how we've made strides and how like something bad happened and it was a it was an atrocity Mm -hmm. it was near genocide um if not genocide you know and um is still kind of continuing Mm -hmm. to be a little bit of a genocide when you talk about police brutality and things like that, you know, and voting, voting, you know, Rights Act, you know, upheavals and things like that. So um, I don't know, I think it's, it's, it's important, I think, for people to educate themselves. And like, that's what I think is so great about this book, because it doesn't just kind of give you like an overview, Mm -hmm. like it actually puts you right into that seat and makes you think about it in a real way Mm -hmm. rather than like oh it happened to those people yeah like even even dana i feel like that's her perspective at the beginning of Mm -hmm. this is oh it happened to those people and you know back in the day Mm -hmm. not recognizing like the implications it still has for her as a modern woman Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i think that's this is how i prefer to get my knowledge of the world yeah it's because i have a hard time with textbooks because Mm -hmm. it always feels like it's a step away and it's like you know it's like statistics you know where they're like hey this happens to like 90 percent of women you need to be careful i'm like yeah but it's not happening to me and right you know and i know that's kind of terrible and i try not to think that way but it's still there's like that part of you that's like but it, it can't happen to me because those are just numbers on a paper and it's like i think the interesting thing about literature is that it's forces you to be in that situation and you're like this could happen to someone i care about this could happen to someone i know and i think Absolutely. that this is i've always been a proponent of making like schools have like i want to learn my history and learn things like this through fiction i'm not like historical fiction like a story is what i'm going mm-hmm. for and i think yeah. that this is doing so far a really good job of like explaining the past to me in a way that i can understand because you get that emotional element Mm -hmm. in there
1: and i think what i like about the book too is like it gets like for lack of a better term it gets a little meta yeah um because you know i think as she starts recounting her experiences Mm -hmm. to this third party which like isn't us Mm -hmm. which like normally in a book like the third party you are the third party Mm -hmm. is the reader right like the two people in the book are having a conversation they already know the history of it Mm -hmm. and the backstory and all that stuff and you either know or you don't, depending on what the author chose to show you. But because we've been with her the entire time as she's explaining what happened to Kevin as he's get as he's losing his patience and he's like drilling her hard about like, hey Kevin, is it? where were you? Yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> when like when when you know, when when he's like insisting she tell him like everything, mm-hmm. as the reader, you're like, back
0: off, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, I literally was reading this in bed. One night and I was like oh, and Dana's like what? I'm like, I just freaking hate Kevin. And he's yeah, like he's the okay. fucking
1: worst. I love I love the little bits of shade that she gives you in the beginning though, mm-hmm. too. One of the things that really stuck out for me is when they talk about Dana and Kevin moving into their new place, mm-hmm. right? And her unpacking. They very specific, like like Octavia Butler makes it a point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: An actual point to say that Kevin is only unpacking his things. Like she walks in and all his stuff is unpacked. He hasn't unpacked their things. Yeah. He hasn't like made their home nice. Mm-hmm. He has unpacked only his things. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's how we're going to be then. Yeah. We're going to be that person. We're not going to uh. like help and work together. You're going to only pa- un- unpack your shit. And then she's going to be left to what? Organize
0: the rest of your house. Yeah. Back to our drowning child. Um, yes. we find out the kid's name is Rufus. Yeah,
1: Terrible, terrible name. Terrible
0: name yeah awful awful like (laughs) and she calls him roof and i was like "Ooh, that doesn't help me no yeah it's almost worse like i like that he's a little ginger child yeah i have to talk about that too yeah is there a small plot line and i don't know if you're thinking this too are we thinking tom is not rufus's kid am i the only one thinking that
1: so i also thought that momentarily but mm-hmm. then there's a scene later on where he gets mad mm-hmm. where rufus gets mad at his mom yeah and dana describes for the first time that she could see how that's his son mm-hmm. because they had the same like trash look on their face when they're yeah. talking to
0: this lady okay but like his mom's annoying so it's kind of just oh yeah she's the worst
1: yeah yeah she's the worst <laughs> everyone is the worst apparently anyone who's mm-hmm. listening right now is like so this is a garbage book about garbage people no, it's, it's a, a great, great book. book about garbage people. Okay, about some garbage people. Yep, <laughs> facts. <laughs> Main character, though, not
0: garbage, not garbage. Just want just to wanna throw that only out one that's not garbage, to be fair. Yes, yeah, kind of. It's okay, you know, we love that. <laughs> so, as we as you mentioned before, um, she's straight up got a gun pointed to her face, and that's the moment that sends her back in time. Mm-hmm. So as you kind of already started talking about Kevin, as soon as she gets back demands to know what happened. Um, yep. and she's like, listen, I guess I was like teleported somewhere. And Kevin's like, no, even though he saw it happen. He's like, no, there's no yep. way that happened. And I was like, yep. Oh, I hate Kevin. Like yeah. immediately on the hate train. I was like, absolutely not. Kevin yeah. don't care about him. He can thumbs down. Yeah. I was like, he can get written off and die in the next chapter. I don't care. Let it. Yeah.
1: So, to me, that is a big metaphor, mm-hmm. like the way he treats her. And I think it starts like by the by the time we got to the end of the chapter that we had to read through, mm-hmm. I think it became pretty obvious. But I feel like this is the first time that we really see this little glimpse of Kevin, that he is the kind of person who uh, prioritizes his own like his own not just his not just his own personal comfort, but like his own reality, mm-hmm. right? He, he, he prioritizes his reality. So, like, it takes her two pages, <laughs> like, two full pages to get this man to chill out and hear her out and recognize that she doesn't know what happened and that she vanished. You know, she has to, like, start from the beginning, give him all that information. And, like, you know, I don't know about your partner, mm-hmm. but if I were to disappear in front of my partner all of a sudden out of nowhere one day, mm-hmm. just magically... His first, his first question isn't going to be like, "I demand you tell me what happened." He's going to be like, "Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Do you need anything? Can I take you to the hospital? You seem really shaken. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go at your speed when you're ready and tell me what happened?" Mm-hmm. Like he's not, he feels no sympathy for her. Yeah, he feels like she's like in on it somehow. Yeah, like he makes wild accusations. And like as he's saying this, like to me, the biggest thing that it reminded me of is a larger metaphor for the way that people are treated when they talk about racism. Mm-hmm racism to me is um and i mean this goes for misogyny it goes for homophobia Mm -hmm. it goes for transphobia right any kind of like islamophobia any kind of like racism right anti-asian hate all Mm of that when you talk as a person on the receiving end of that right Mm -hmm. in my experience when you talk about the racism that you've experienced it's not always black and white it's not always someone calling you a pejorative name to your face Mm -hmm. and being like boom ha i'm racist like that's usually not how it goes no one wants to admit that they're racist unless Mm -hmm. they're far gone. And then they're probably not going to be near you anyway. Yeah, <laughs> um, But like the people who are like secretly racist or mm-hmm. have those feelings, it finds another way out of them, mm-hmm. you know, usually through microaggressions or whatever. Mm-hmm. So for me, racism is like, it's almost, it's almost like having like an invisibility cloak mm-hmm. because like, even when people see it, even when they witness it. Right. And you go, Hey, that was racist. If the person is not someone who is used to understanding racism or thinking about racism or is one of those people, it's just like, oh, but the world is just a better place and we're so much better than we used to be and whatever, Mm -hmm. as though, you know, better than you used to be still could mean terrible if you were trash to begin with. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So everything is relative. Um, And I feel like when you experience racism, like it's hard to put your finger on what it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like someone today told me that I was surprisingly eloquent on its own. There's nothing wrong with that. Eloquence is a wonderful trait to have. Right. That's I'm proud. Like it means I'm well-educated. It means that I'm, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like no one talks to Jason and says, Oh, you're surprisingly eloquent. Yeah. Right. So I'm eloquent and that's unusual and surprising to you because of how I look and people don't realize that's what they're saying, but that's what they're saying. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like it's, it's, it's it's like this weird intangible thing that happens to people, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's no way to articulate what it is. So she's like trying to articulate what happened to her mm-hmm. and he keeps interrupting her and there's all these like stops and starts and she's like trying to insist on what happened. Like if you think about, you know, Christine Blasey Ford's testimony during the Kavanaugh trial, right? You mm-hmm. want to compare it to sexism. Like she's explaining why she knew that those guys were out to get her. She's explaining how she knew, how she felt, mm-hmm. the smell in the air, the feeling, mm-hmm. the emotions that went with it. And these people are looking at her like she's an idiot. What are you talking about? There's no proof. Mm-hmm as as though one needs proof when somebody is harassing you like you feel it yeah you feel it and and that's essentially what she's saying to kevin like hey i feel this like Mm -hmm. i feel this this is what happened to me Mm -hmm. i don't know what happened i can't describe it i can't put a name to it i can't put my finger on what it is or why it happened but this happened to me and he basically doesn't believe
0: i know and i just like he's her person i know doesn't believe her (laughs) dude i was like in that moment i was ready for her to leave him i was like i hate this man like yeah this man is one walking red flag okay yep this is the story of a divorce i hope so because (laughs) she i mean she keeps turning to him for comfort but like i don't like him at all
1: yeah like this dude
0: he may be with a black woman he's racist and i don't like i don't know if he knows that but that's the vibe i get so I don't think that he does either. Yeah. And I think that we're going
1: to see some more light shed on that. Mm-hmm. Um, when we continue to read. Yeah, um, Because like, I feel like, I feel like, again, this, this book is like an onion, tons of layers. Mm-hmm. Like she starts peeling things back and then she kind of shifts forward and backward in time, which mm-hmm. is like a larger metaphor for what's happening to Dana. You know, the fact that we're going back in time in her life mm-hmm. um, in, in, in memory, and then actually back in time, like with her physical body. Like, I love that, mm-hmm. that, that plot device um me too but I think that like it's I don't know I find it so interesting that all you're getting at first is just this one glimpse of the man that she's with right of the Mm -hmm. man she chooses to be with and you you kind of make your assumptions and then like that's juxtaposed by you know the next time that you kind of talk about Kevin with with Dana where she's remembering the first time they met and you know how they were together and like that version of Kevin I love Mm -hmm. like I was like oh he seems really into you I mean until obviously the that one part of the drama that we'll discuss in a minute but like for a minute I was like oh okay so this man took a risk like Mm -hmm. he wanted to be with her I imagine in 1976 like when interracial couples were still not really common Mm -hmm. at all you know people were still getting prosecuted for that in some Mm -hmm. parts of the country um it was revolutionary you know and she probably thought this guy has my back like who would put themselves in this situation if they didn't know what they were getting into, you know, I have some things to
0: talk about when we get to that part of like their relationship. Yes. Cause I have a lot of comments. <laughs> uh, like when a they lot. first started dating, lots yeah. of comments, but I'm going to hold them. I'm going to put a little yeah. pin in it. Cause I will not forget it. And I, I'm going to go on a small rant. So I'm very excited. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> um, in this entire process though, Kevin is fully convincing, trying to convince both of them that this didn't happen. Yep oh my gosh captain gaslight yeah <laughs> kevin said gaslight gatekeep girl boss that's in this moment yep and i hate it i hate it so yeah. much yeah. so okay then dana's like listen i don't feel safe here i don't feel comfortable um i am very scared and kevin in that moment was like nah dog that won't happen again and i'm like my guy yeah how do you know? And Dana, Dana, at this very same moment, also was like, "My guy, you don't know. No, no. one knows. Nope, nope." <sighs> but that's what I'm saying, though. This mm-hmm. is this,
1: and this is why I feel like it's a larger, like, it's a larger, like, metaphor for racism. Because again, like, I can't tell you how many times that something racist will happen to me, mm-hmm. and like, never with Jason because he, like, Jason sees it even when it's not there. Jason's like, yeah. "I assume everyone's trash," and I'm like, "Calm down." Um,
0: <laughs> Love that for but, him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Especially because he's so nice, yeah. you know, Um, but um, that's that's the weird part sometimes about like when you're experiencing racism. And like I say this as somebody like when you were when I first met you, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, people on this call probably, you know, who are listening to this call do not understand like how I met you. Mm -hmm. But the short version is you were my mentor. You were my mentee. I was Mm -hmm. your mentor at, you know, an advertising agency. And we spent the summer getting to know each other and we became friends. Mm -hmm. Um, But you remember, like you experienced racism. It wasn't towards you. Yeah. But you experienced racism. And when you tried to talk about it, Mm -hmm. you were gaslit. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, even even though it wasn't racism that, like, was toward you that you were, like, trying to take in or whatever, it was something that happened. I mean, none of you in your group were Black. Mm -hmm. But the thing that happened was so ridiculous and so offensive and so just abhorrent that you were like i have to say something but for a minute like no one knew what to say yeah because you're just so surprised and so shocked this is happening you're just like you freeze you're like what and that's essentially what happens to dana like Mm -hmm. this happens to her and she freezes she's like what in the world is happening
0: please tell me we're thinking of the same event
1: yeah okay yeah
0: the the video yeah
1: (laughs) somebody sent a not very nice video around that was extremely offensive and none of the kids knew what to do they were all just like this is not something that's normal to me mm-hmm. this is not and the person who sent the video was was one of their fellow classmates and he was like this is normal for me my dad sent it to me and they were like time out what
0: yeah and he's like oh is hold on was funny? who
1: i don't understand
0: i still so, never saw the video i was just told it existed because i think everyone knew better than to say anything to me because yeah. listen most of you don't know me in real life and listen i'll mess somebody up i have no i have no qualms about getting in a fist fight um and plus you have a black
1: mentor they're like don't tell her she's definitely going to tell the lady yeah don't tell don't tell rachel yeah she's gonna say something yep
0: i i have no qualms about creating a scene Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Barely Bookish podcast. If you want a little bit more content, please consider joining me over on Patreon. Uh, It's patreon.com slash barely bookish. Every single month you get early access. Well, you get early access to every single episode. You also get an exclusive episode every single month. So uh, it's also donation based. So it can be as low as $3 or as high as you kind of want it to be. Uh, per month, and then you get access to all that lovely content. You'll also be added to the Discord server, and that Discord server is just for Patreon members. Um, I'm hoping to make it really fun and interactive, so I hope you all will consider joining. We also had to end this episode a little bit early just to separate things up, so Candace is not going to be joining us for this outro, so I did want to just say check Candace out everywhere at Candace the Magnificent. Uh, they've got a lovely YouTube channel where they review ice cream. They're on quite a few different shows, um, and I will be linking those in the bio as well. Uh, they've done a lot of cool things, so make sure to check out Candace. You can find um, them over on Twitch on twitter over on instagram uh, a whole bunch of cool places you will get to hear from candace in the outro like normal soon uh it's just that this episode had to be separated out a little bit so next week you will definitely be able to hear candace so uh yeah uh we are also talking about the prison healer in the barely book club so if you want to talk about books with a lot of very cool people please consider joining the barely book club Uh, It's a delight, it's a lot of fun, there's a lot of great people in there, so uh, I would love to see you all there. Um, Also, I am streaming more on Twitch now. I just started streaming Hades the Video Game, which has been a lot of fun, but I'm hopefully going to be streaming a lot more stuff soon, so make sure to follow over on twitch.tv slash to become a part of that. Uh, For the next couple recordings, like I mentioned, uh, make sure you've read through the end of the fall. Um... This book is honestly probably going to take us a while to get through, so uh, I anticipate probably somewhere around eight episodes, maybe, but we will see as we go along. Um, But I hope you all enjoy it, and I'll catch you all next week. Our theme song was created by Raphael Crux. Our uh, logo was designed by my little sibling Sarah, and I'll catch you guys later. Bye!